Hello and welcome. In our third episode of This Is Europe, we're focusing on food. And while our continent is rich in food traditions, from French pastries to Polish pierogies, food is also at the centre of one of the most serious issues of our time. Today's IPCC report says a global 1.5 Celsius temperature rise is now inescapable, perhaps within 20 years. Climate change is not just about cars and fossil fuels. Our food system, its production, transportation and waste make up around a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions. So how can we reduce the carbon footprint of our food? In this episode, we'll hear from three Interreg projects, forging a new path to food sustainability. But before we do, here is Matt Reynolds author of The Future of Food, to explain the challenges we face in nourishing both ourselves and the planet. By 2050, there's going to be around 9.7 billion people on the planet, and that's around 2 billion more people than there are here today. But we have huge problems feeding all of these people today already. Massive environmental strain on the environment. So, you know, we're already using about half of all the habitable land in the world is, is used up on agriculture and producing that food is causing about a quarter of all human caused greenhouse gas emissions and about 70% of all the fresh water we use goes into agriculture. So solving the climate crisis and thinking about climate change really is a problem in how we produce food. While the broader issues around food production are often complex, Matt thinks that there is one very simple thing that contributes hugely to the problem. It's really easy to concentrate on how you produce food, but actually none of this matters if, at the end of the day, all you do with that food is put it in the bin. And food waste really is a staggering problem. So at the moment, about a third of all the food in the world that is produced ends up being wasted. And that's pretty amazing when you think that at the same time there are about 750 million people who regularly go hungry in the world and lots more about 2 billion people who don't have enough minerals and vitamins in their diet so perhaps in Europe the, the thing we can concentrate on is what are we doing in our homes and our restaurants when it comes to food because in places like Europe most of the food waste happens at the consumer end of the spectrum as opposed to while that food is being produced. It's with this in mind that we start our journey in the south of France with Interreg's BioCantines project. Nestled in the hills overlooking the French Riviera, the small town of Mont-Sautou has resisted the advances of property developers. Instead, they've chosen to use the land to revolutionize how we feed school children. Mont-Sautou is where you'll find some of the most expensive real estate in Europe. But Deputy Mayor Gilles Perrault has no problem in using the area next to his local school as an allotment. The aim? To feed his pupils completely organic food that travels only a few metres from farm to fork. For Gilles, it's the culmination of years of work. Monsartou has been working on food systems since 1998, where we realized during the mad cow crisis, one of the first big food hygiene scandals, the important correlations between health, the environment and food safety. 
In France, so far, two people are known to have died from variant CJD, which is believed to derive from BSE, otherwise known as mad cow disease. That's how we started building this vision of food sovereignty, where more Sartu's municipality would define how they would eat. We decided we would almost exclusively eat organic food, a diet that would be locally produced as much as possible within the municipality, the region or the department, a system that would respect the environment, which means less meat, and replacing it with vegetables that are high in protein. Since 2012, Monsatou's school canteens have served 100% organic food. That's why they've been leading Interreg's Bio Canteens project, exporting their model across Europe. If you want to take up the challenge of making sure populations are in better health, respectful of the environment and its biodiversity, and trying to manage climate change, we must change our food practices. We must change the way we produce food, and in order for it to have a real impact, many collectivities must make that transition and put this change in place because our 10,000 strong city alone will not change the world. The school canteens now only offer organic food, but getting to this point wasn't easy. Very quickly, when we started introducing organic food, we realized that they were more expensive and that a certain number of them ended up in the bin. And so we decided to measure that food waste because we thought we might be able to do something about it. We saw that we were throwing away 147 grams of food per child. In other words, one third of the dish's weight, a third of the high quality products we bought at a high price, was ending up in the bin. That made no sense to us. And changing children's eating habits too is no small matter. Francois Jégu is a sustainable food expert with the Interreg program Urbact. He says that simple tricks made a huge difference when working with children. If you give apples to, to kids as dessert, you will find a lot of apple half-eaten. And if they have been half-eaten by the kids or even touched by the kids, you can not reuse them by law. So they don't give apples. They cut the apples in four and kids stand up and take a fourth of apple and take a second fourth. And if they want, they can take six fourths of apple. But in that, they reduce and reduce and reduce to nearly zero food waste, which enable them to finance organic and local food. So these are these micro good practices. And these work as starters to convince the, the local stakeholders in the kitchen, in the schools, in, in the city administration, to start with something. You know, the difficult things in changing is always to start. The project has identified over 150 such micro good practices, which together have reduced food waste from a third to practically zero. These savings, in turn, have covered the additional cost of going completely organic. And thanks to Interreg, this food revolution has spread to BioCanteen's project partners across Europe, from Bulgaria and Romania to Italy, Portugal and Belgium. 
In Belgium, the project partner is Pays the Contruse, where Joël Genon is head chef. Joël says that the priority wasn't just to have purely organic produce, but for it to be locally sourced as well. Our number one priority was to develop a short-circuit food supply, mainly because we really wanted to develop a project that was regionally based. Thanks to those meals, we can work with the local market gardeners and meat producers. This was as important as working with organic produce. We know how important organic farming is, but we want to develop local organic farming. But Gilles says that it's often difficult to be as local as you'd like when sourcing food in the EU. When we want to work with local food producers, one quickly realizes that public procurement rules are constraining. These rules are EU directives imposed on us if we reach a certain quota. Paradoxically, governments want us to buy local, but public markets get in the way of that, which is slightly schizophrenic. With this in mind, and even though the Interreg project itself has now finished, Gilles is still pushing on with a bigger plan. Buying a carrot is not the same as buying a pen or a car. Food is an essential commodity to live a long and healthy life. The COVID crisis has strengthened this need to relocate food production so that it is healthier and helps create an economic boost in our countries. We need to be able to recognize when a law goes against the issues of food sovereignty and protecting the environment. We need to change the European Public Procurement Directives to allow us to buy directly from local farmers. For Francois, as a food sustainability expert, it is critical that the law changes so that more of us across Europe are eating food that is produced closer to home. At the moment, we are really living in a sort of absurd world where one of the typical figures is that the average is 2,000 kilometers that food travel before arriving in our plates. In the meantime, though, the school children of Montsartu will continue to enjoy the joys of food grown close to their classroom windows. This is Europe. This is Europe. The podcast from the Interreg team, telling the stories of cooperation across borders and within communities. Our next project takes us from the sun of southern France to the rural farmlands of western Sweden. In Sweden, we have a farming tradition, a heritage. Well, and that has created an awareness of over the years which means that every Swedish customer chooses the Swedish-produced food because everyone knows someone who's a farmer somewhere. This is Matthias Hutenen. He's worked with Sweden's biggest supermarkets for years, helping them to stock their shelves with the food that shoppers really want. Now he's working with Interreg on the Reframe project, helping Sweden's farmers capitalize on the appetite for local produce. In the last two, three years, it's been more like we want the local produced food to be part of our normal dinner plate. The Reframe project aims to have supermarket shelves across the country filled with food made just down the road. It's doing this by making crucial introductions between small local producers and the country's biggest retailers. 
if we start from the from the garage guy, of course, they need us as help because they don't know who they should talk to, what are the demands of their products or pricing and service and so on. And many of the producers, they're not salesmen, they are their producers because they love being a baker or a butcher or whatever they make. So they need some sort of special help when it's time to visit the stores and be prepared in the right way. One farmer whose business has been transformed by Reframe is sausage producer Agneta Beyond Stute Weiland. I used to work seven days a week, often Saturday and Sundays, with this, all these markets that I went I mean, it started in the end of August and then you, you just work every weekend until Christmas. Instead, Agneta now sells her sausages to the local branches of some of Sweden's biggest supermarkets, giving shoppers the local produce they want and herself the weekends off. Say a year ago, I didn't know what, what expected during the autumn and the Christmas because that's the, the period of sales that I, I, I earned the most money. But everything was closed down and then I had the possibility to work with the Reframe project and that changed a lot, both how I, how I work and how I sell my products. So um, that was the start of it and, and has been very successful for me. So I, I made all-time high in sales last year and I didn't have one single sausage left. <laughs> not, not, not even for my family, <laughs> for the Christmas table because I've sold everything. It was empty all over, all over the place. She's noticed that when Swedish shoppers buy local food, it's because they expect quality and care. And now they're finding it in supermarkets too, with produce from farmers like Agneta. I work with the concept nose to tail, which means that I, I take care of, I take responsible for the whole animal and I also take care of the, the meat, uh, the wool, the skin and the bones nowadays from the, from the animals. I mean, nowadays I think you should eat less meat, but, but eat meat from a farm that you know and also that you can appreciate. I mean, it's my way of taking responsible for, for my, my share of this part of the, of the world uh, because it's uh, important to see the whole animal, not only the steak. Proving the quality and sustainability of their produce is not always straightforward for farmers like Agneta, though. Supermarkets now ask for data about the environmental impact of the food on their shelves. Ulrika Ackerson is the communications manager for Reframe and she says this is where the project has done really important work, helping producers understand their carbon footprint and how they can improve. You need to actually calculate more carefully today and you need also to understand, for example, the use of water and energy that you use in your process, how that affects uh, the environment. You need to know more about this and uh, you also need to be transparent towards your consumers and your clients. Like uh, if you're dealing with a wholesaler, a retailer or even a consumer, they want to know all these details today and that's a, a big um, challenge. You need to have a lot of knowledge about uh, many things, not only how to make a good quality product. Connecting local producers with supermarkets in this way, Matthias can see how big an impact the project has had. Today we have uh, the large the retailers, they, they actually do a really 
great and big job to um, increase the number of the local producers in their stores. Ica is uh, our largest uh, retailer in groceries in Sweden. They went from 150 producers up to nearly 400 producers. So in three years time, they've almost tripled the numbers of producers who's delivering products to Ica stores in Sweden. And uh, I mean, if we have an increase of 20, 25% a year, well, it's from a small amount of money in the beginning, but now it's starting to be uh, a pretty large figure. If it's 50 million euros today, we easily will be 100 or 150 million euros in five years' time. And there's still room for transformative innovations to this sustainable food system, like this idea from Matthias. Using his marketing experience, he's been working with Agneta and other producers to create bespoke gift boxes filled with local produce. They've made local a brand in itself. That was the, the thing that made me, that gave me the sales figures that I haven't never even thought about. I'm, I'm just stunned how, how it made such a great possibilities for me to, to sell in a different way. And it's, it's great because I'm not only working with my own products, I also work with other producers' products. So I, I make a mix of local delicacies these boxes, which also strengthen not only my company, it strengthens the other producer's company. It's about storytelling and um, strengthening the brand uh, of the, the countryside's delicacies. It has changed the whole way of how I work, actually. <laughs> the reframe is a little bit of a success story. <laughs> it's hard to put, put words on it because <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah. This is, Europe, this is Europe, the podcast from the Interreg team, telling the stories of cooperation across borders and within communities. Well, bon appetit to everyone now eating local, thanks to Reframe. For our final story, we're heading from Europe's northern periphery to its southeastern border and the Croatian city of Ozijek. When I was a kid, and I remember that while driving through some villages and uh, small towns, there were some desks uh, in front of some houses where people used to sell their homemade products in front of their homes. The voice you're hearing is that of Daniela Skenderovic. For her day job, she works at a multinational IT company. In her spare time though, Daniela is a budding producer of berries. Haska berries seemed like a logical solution. Uh, why? Because uh, those are like a regular berry bush, tall, maybe less than a meter. And uh, even a kid could uh, come and pick some berries. So we imagined our family in like five years, okay, we are going to hang out uh, in our farm and, you know, spend our afternoons in a healthy environment. And next to that, okay, maybe we will have some financial benefits and, I don't know, pay kindergarten or something out of that money. So we didn't want to make a huge amount of money because we have decent regular jobs. Uh, however, this seemed like cute hobby. Soon though, Daniela's cute hobby became a serious business. It was while talking with fellow small producers, she met Tomislav Katanik. Tomislav is the manager at Carmark, an interreg project that connects micro-producers to local consumers. 
what we were afraid of last year is when we saw okay we are going to have much <laughs> many uh, uh, berries and the amount is going to be larger than that we really expected we were afraid how are we going to sell it you know with uh, full-time jobs and kids there is not much time to really think about things that uh, this platform is taking care of at the moment Carmag is the platform that Daniela means here. For Daniela, the marketing, promotion and business support that Carmag offers is a game changer. I don't know anything about marketing and I don't really have time to do marketing. So the next point was they have everything organized within their transport. So uh, last year they had even service where they would come at the producer's address. They would pick up the product and then they would distribute it to an end user, which was great. Every Tuesday and Friday, Carmack's drivers deliver fresh local food to customers. It's all part of the zero-kilometer philosophy that we've been hearing about. The goal is to shorten food supply chains to reduce the carbon footprint of what we eat. The man in charge is Tomislav Katanik. We worked with small farmers since uh, 2005. Uh, providing know-how, technical support, marketing services, even a microloans, so they can improve and, and adjust their products to very demanding market needs. Tomislav says that one of the most demanding parts of the market is getting younger people interested in organic local food. This is why Kamag focuses on the things they know especially well, the internet and social media. Uh, young people in our town don't have inhabit to visit local uh, city market, so we uh, bring city market online. But Tomislav faced a challenge with some of the producers he hoped to bring into the project. Some of them had never even used a computer before, let alone connected their businesses to the internet. They wanted to sell their products with our web shop platform, but it was hard to co communicate with them because they don't use email, they don't have vision what webshop even is. So we need to uh, educate them about this step in online sales. Uh, later they created uh, email addresses, they uh, created own Facebook pages and on social networks. But before uh, three years when we started with Kamarg, it was impossible in some situations. Working with Kamarg, Daniela is convinced that the future of small producer businesses is online. Me, for example, I'm in Osijek for maybe 10 months in, in a year, while the rest of two months I'm either on a vacation or on some business, business trips. And also uh, looking at my family, my friends, they also have full-time jobs, they live more dynamically, they are not so home-oriented, so they, they don't have time to go and search for people who would sell that product in front of their homes. I think that that's really fast. So if you can do something in two clicks, I would say that's a future. are continuing the effort to bring more and more fresh local produce to OSIEX citizens. We can be proud of the fact that we are the initiators of the online promotion of top quality local food in our region. We want to further enrich our offer with new products and give chance to new producers 
who knows what uh, the future holds and positive change never stops. This is Europe. This is Europe. The podcast from the Interreg team, telling the stories of cooperation across borders and within communities. The farm-to-fork strategy of eating local seasonal produce is growing across Europe. It might well prove to be one of the most effective ways of shoring up our food systems and reducing our impact on the planet that feeds us. For the fourth episode of This Is Europe, we'll be hearing about a different type of impact, social impact, and the work of interreg projects in bringing marginalised groups back to the centre of European society. From an initiative helping blind and visually impaired passengers to travel independently. If you don't have any sight left, you have no idea what the, what the area looks like, what to expect. So this is kind of your only anchoring point. To beyond EU borders and a Lebanese doctor looking to revolutionise mental health care in their country. We say there is no perfect storm. Well, in Lebanon, there is a perfect storm. That story is from the heart of Interreg's efforts to include all of our citizens in everyday life. All coming up in the next episode of This is Europe. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Shahid Abari. The producer was Max Bauer. This was a Tempo and Talker production for Interact.